0: Section Ten of *Sasha*. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Eva Davis. *Sasha* by Alexander Cooper, translated by Douglas Ashby. Alle. This jerky exclamatory order was Mel Nora's earliest memory from the dark monotony of her erring childhood. This word, "allez" was the very first that her weak, childish little tongue ever framed. And always, even in her dreams, this cry reproduced itself in Nora's memory, evoking in its five letters the chill of the unheated circus ring, the smell of stables, the heavy gallop of the horse, the dry crackling of the long whip, and the burning pain of its slash suddenly deadening the momentary hesitation of fear. Allez! In the empty circus, it is cold and dark. Here and there, the wintry sunlight, scarcely piercing the glass cupolas, lies in pale spots over the raspberry-colored velvet and the gilt of the boxes, over the shields with the horses' heads, over the flags that decorate the pillars. It plays on the dim glasses of the electric globes, gliding over the steel of the tourniquets and trapezes up there at a tremendous height amid the entanglement of the machines and the ropes from which one can scarcely distinguish the first rows of the stalls and the seats behind and the gallery are completely drowned in darkness the day's routine is in full swing five or six of the performers in greatcoats and fur caps are smoking rank cigars at the end of the first row of armchairs near the entrance from the stables In the middle of the ring stands a square-built short-legged man with a tall hat perched on the back of his head and a black moustache carefully twisted to a fine point at the ends he is tying a long string round the waist of a tiny little five-year-old girl who is standing in front of him shivering from fright and cold the big white horse which a stableman leads round the ring snorts loudly shaking its arched neck as the white steam gushes from its nostrils every time that it passes the man in the tall hat the horse looks askance at the whip that sticks out under his arm snorts with agitation and plodding round drags the tugging stable boy behind it little nora can hear behind her back its nervous plunges and she shivers still more Two powerful hands seize her round the waist and lightly toss her onto the large leather mattress on the horse's back. Almost at the same instant, the chairs, the white pillars, the tent-cloth hangings at the entrance, all this is merged in the bizarre circle which spins round to meet the horse. In vain her numb hands clutch convulsively at the rough wave of mane, as her eyes close tightly, blinded by the devilish flash of the seething circle. The man in the tall hat walks in the centre of the ring, holding in front of the horse's head the end of his long whip, which he cracks deafeningly. Allez! And again, she is in her short gauze skirt, with her bare, thin, half-childish arms, standing in the electric light, beneath the very cupola of the circus on a well-balanced trapeze. From this, at the little girl's feet, there is hanging, head downward, his knees clutching the upright post, another square-built man, in pink tights, with gold spangles and fringe, curled, pomaded, and cruel. Now he has raised his lowered hands, spread them out, and fixing Nora's eyes with that penetrating, meaning look, the hypnotizing glance of the acrobat, he claps his hands. Nora makes a quick forward movement with the intention of hurling herself straight down into those strong, pitiless hands what a thrill it will give the hundreds of spectators but all of a sudden her heart grows cold seems to stop from terror and she only squeezes more tightly the thin ropes of the trapeze up go once more the cruel bent hands and acrobat's glance becomes still more intense beneath her feet the space seems that of an abyss allez again she balances Scarcely able to breathe, on the very apex of the living pyramid, she glides, wriggling with her body, supple as a serpent's, between the cross beams of the long white ladder which a man is holding on his head. She turns a somersault in the air, thrown up by the feet of the jongleur, strong and terrible like steel springs. Again at a great height, she walks on thin, trembling wire which cuts her feet unbearably. And everywhere are the same dim beautiful faces, the pomaded heads, the puffed curls, the moustaches upturned, the reek of cigars and perspiration, and always that inevitable fatal cry, the same for human beings, for horses, and for performing dogs, Allez! She was just sixteen and a very pretty girl when, during her performance, She fell from the airy tourniquet past the net onto the sand of the ring. She was picked up unconscious and was taken behind the scenes, where, in accordance with circus traditions, they began to shake her by the shoulders with all their might to bring her back to herself. She awoke to consciousness, groaning with pain from her crushed hand. "'The audience is getting restless and beginning to go,' they were saying around her. "'Come, show yourself to the public.' Obediently, her lips framed the usual smile, the smile of the graceful horsewoman, but after walking two steps the pain became unbearable and she cried out and staggered. Then dozens of hands laid hold of her and pushed her forcibly in front of the public. Allez! During this season, there was working in the circus a certain star clown named Menotti he was not the ordinary pauper clown who rolls in the sand to the rhythm of slaps in the face and who manages on a quite empty stomach to amuse the public for a whole evening with inexhaustible jokes minonti was a clown celebrity the first solo clown and imitator on the planet a world-known trainer who had received innumerable honors and prizes he wore on his breast a heavy chain of gold medals received two hundred roubles for a single turn and boasted of the fact that for the last five years he had worn nothing but more costumes after the performance he invariably felt done up and with a highfalutin bitterness would say of himself yes we are buffoons we must amuse the well-fed public in the arena he would sing pretentiously and out of tune old couplets or recite verses of his own composition or make gags on the duma or the drainage, which usually produced on the public, drawn to the circus by reckless advertising, the impression of insistent, dull, and unnecessary contortions. In private life he had a languidly patronizing manner, and he loved with a mysterious and negligent air to insinuate his conquests of extraordinarily beautiful, extraordinarily rich, but utterly tiresome countesses. After her first appearance at the morning rehearsal, after her sprain had been cured, Minoti came up to her, held her hand in his, made moist, tired eyes at her, and asked in a weakened voice about her health. She became confused, blushed, and took her hand away. That moment decided her fate. A week later, as he escorted Nora back from the evening performance, Minoti asked her to have supper with him at the magnificent hotel where the world-famous first solo clown always stopped. The cabinet's particuliers are on the first floor, and as she made her way up, Nora stopped for a minute, partly from fatigue, partly from the emotion of the last virginal hesitation. But Minotti squeezed her elbow tightly. In his voice there rang fierce animal passion, and with it the cruel order of the old acrobat, as he whispered, allez and she went. She saw in him an extraordinary, a superior being, almost a God. She would have gone into fire if it had occurred to him to order it. For a year she followed him from town to town. She took care of Minoti's brilliance and jewels during his appearances, put on and took off for him his tricot, attended to his wardrobe, helped him to train rats and pigs, rubbed his face with cold cream and What was the most important of all believed with idolizing intensity in his world fame when they were alone he had nothing to say to her and he accepted her passionate caresses with the exaggerated boredom of a man who though thoroughly satiated mercifully permits women to adore him after a year he had had enough of her his attention was diverted to one of the sisters wilson who were executing airy flights He did not stand on ceremony with Nora now, and often in the dressing room, right in front of the performers and stablemen, he would box her ears for a missing button. She bore all this with the humility of an old, clever, and devoted dog who accepts the blows of his master. Finally, one night after a performance in which the first trainer in the world had been hissed for whipping a dog really too savagely, Minotti told Nora straight out to go immediately to the devil. She left him, but stopped at the very door of the room and glanced back with a begging look in her eyes. Then Minotti rushed to the door, flung it open furiously, and shouted, allez But only two days later, like a dog who has been beaten and turned out, she was drawn back again to the master. A blackness came to her eyes when a waiter of the hotel said to her with an insolent grin, cannot go up. He is in a cabinet particulier with a lady." But Nora went up and stopped unerringly before the door of the very room where she had been with Minotti a year ago. Yes, he was there. She recognized the languid voice of the overworked celebrity, interrupted from time to time by the happy laugh of the red-haired Englishwoman. Nora opened the door abruptly purple and gold tapestries, the dazzling light of the two candelabras, the glistening of crystals, the pyramid of fruit and the bottles in silver buckets, Minotti lying on the sofa in his shirt sleeves, and Wilson, with her corsage loosened, the reek of scent, wine, cigars, powder, all this at first stupefied her. Then she rushed at Wilson and struck her again and again in the face with her clenched fist, Wilson shrieked, and the fight began. When Minoti had succeeded with difficulty in separating them, Nora threw herself on her knees, covered his boots with kisses, and begged him to come back to her. Minoti could scarcely push her away from him, as he said, squeezing her neck tightly with his strong fingers, If you don't go at once, I'll have you thrown out of the place by the waiter. Almost stifled, she rose to her feet and whispered, Ah, ah, in that case, in that case. Her eyes fell on the open window. Quickly and lightly, like the experienced gymnast she was, she bounded on the sill and bent forward, her hands grasping on each side, the framework of the window. Far down beneath her, the carriages rattled, seeming from that height mere small, strange animals. The pavements glistened after the rain, and the reflection of the street lamps danced about in the pools of water. Nora's fingers grew cold, and her heart stopped beating for a second of terror. Then, closing her eyes and breathing heavily, she raised her hands above her head, and fighting down, as usual, her old weakness, she cried out as if in the circus, allez End of Allée.